All right, pull out your Bibles and open up to our favorite passage for 2017, Joshua chapter one. Okay, maybe it's my favorite. Nobody else seems to care. My goal is to make you care by the end of this. Can we have fun at our last service here? Can we be extra loud, extra full of faith, extra ready to receive from the word of God? Got a few people ready. We are wrapping up our time here at Old National, obviously, and we're wrapping up our series that we have been in for the last, this is week number five. It's been a five-part series we're calling Everyday Jesus. Hopefully you've been here for uh, at least a couple of those, and um, it's been kind of a five-part series, but really it's kind of been one sermon in five different parts. I don't know if you've, you've noticed, but there's kind of a common message throughout all of us, and, and we've been discovering that Jesus is not a far-off Jesus. He's not a distant Jesus. He's not a removed Jesus. He's not just a Sunday Jesus. He's not a religious Jesus, but our Jesus, he is, in fact, an everyday Jesus. I said, he is an everyday Jesus. That's when you, yes, God, amen, I believe it. Come on, I love it. And he's so good, Jesus is so good that he doesn't just change our lives, the one, that one day we got saved, or he doesn't just take us to heaven on that one day when we die, but he actually wants to walk every day in between with you so that you can live life and life to the full. God is good this morning, amen? We've been uh, talking about that through this series, and at the beginning of our series, we laid out three core beliefs that we're going to have to have if we're going to be people who walk with Jesus every day as I take a sip. Those three core beliefs are these. Number one, Jesus loves you. This is the fifth week, Lord, and they're still not cheering after I stood them up after we've been talking about it and praying about it. The first belief that we gotta have is that Jesus loves you. Come on. And you're not gonna walk with Jesus every day if you don't believe that he loves you and that he wants to live this life with you. And this is why we talked about money a couple of weeks ago because money is something that is so easy for us to love and us to be consumed by. And we talked about a lot of different things that money is great. We said money's a great solution for money-sized problems. But it can't answer your God-sized questions. And Lincoln said, amen, pastor, uncle. That's my man. Money is a great solution for money-sized problems, but it can't answer your God-sized questions. And it's easy to live our lives loving money, following money. And we said that money's not the bad guy. We're not going to knock money. But money never did die on a cross for you or raise from the grave to give you life. Money never loved you, so let's not spend our lives loving money. Jesus loves you. Number two, our core belief is that Jesus brings life. Jesus brings life. We've got to believe that Jesus has a better plan for our life than the devil does if we're going to follow Jesus every day. And he told us that the devil, he just comes into our lives. The reason he comes in is for nothing else other than to steal from us, to kill us, and destroy us. But Jesus came for nothing else but to give us life and life abundantly. And this is why we talked about sex last week, because the feelings in our culture tell us that Jesus wants to ruin all of that with outdated philosophies and take away all the fun. That's what everybody thinks. But that can't actually be possible because if Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, then his plans, his philosophies, his boundaries, his outlines, his solutions ought to be the way that bring us the most life, the most fulfillment, instead of what the devil actually wants to do for you, which is steal your self-worth, kill your intimacy, destroy everything that you were made for, but he cloaks it as, ah, it's no big deal. That's 
Amen? <laughs> Jesus brings life. See, I just figured in the intro I'd preach real hard because we got one more, right? Number three, third foundational belief that you have to believe if you're going to walk with Jesus every day is that your life matters. Your life matters. You are made for more than just this life. You are made for more than just these moments, just these breaths. You are made for eternity, and your life now impacts your eternity. So this morning, in our last sermon in this series, I want to... Uh, Finish up our thoughts on Jesus every day by talking about how walking with Jesus every day impacts our time, impacts our time. You write that at the top of your page. And uh, talking about time is, uh, you know, that's a massively broad topic and time is pretty abstract. So instead of talking about the past that's already done or instead of talking about the future that we can't foretell anyways, I want to focus this message around right now. Somebody say now. 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 Touch your neighbor and say right now. If you're sitting too far away from somebody to have a neighbor, just scoot over, say hey, put your arm around them. Right now, we started this year, like I said, uh, in Joshua chapter one, and I think it's fitting that we spend our last service here looking in Joshua chapter one. So we're gonna read along Joshua one, one through nine. We've read this a lot this year, and uh, it's been good. It's been a good little, uh, what do you call that? Maybe a landmark, mile marker or something for us. I'm gonna try to say anchor. You know, what analogy do I need to pull out right now? It's been good, is what I'm trying to say. Joshua chapter one. So we're gonna read it one more time here in Old National. So I want you to read along like you believe it, like you've lived it this last year, like God's been faithful and you're still expecting that God's gonna be faithful to his word. Can we do that? Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people in the land that I'm given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, all this shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. We hold on for the last final stretch here. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, though you, but you should meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. But then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Joshua chapter one, we've told this backstory a lot this year, but we'll say it again. In Joshua 1, God is speaking to his people, and he is giving this, them this command that it's time to move into somewhere new. They've been, they were in slavery in a place called Egypt for 400 years, and then they, God delivered them out of that, and they have been in a desert now, wandering around for 40 years. They've been trying to make their way to the promised land, this land that God had promised them as a nation generations and generations ago, and it's time to enter in. And the generation that God is telling to leave the desert and enter into the promised land is not the same generation that entered into the desert in the first place. That generation has since died. And that in itself 
is a long story, but it's all captured here in verse one when it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Mentions Moses, mentions Joshua. Moses had been the one to lead the people out of Egypt, and he was supposed to lead them into the promised land. This was supposed to be an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, but here they are 40 years later having been wandering in a desert because they didn't believe God along the way and there's a lot of disobedience and all kinds of things. And so after 400 years of slavery, after 40 years of wandering in a desert, because of their disobedience, because of the lack of faith, God said, okay, Moses, you and your generation are not gonna enter into the promise, but I'm still gonna give the promise. It's just gonna be to the next generation. So verse one tells us that Moses is dead, which is true, but this also symbolizes that Moses' whole generation is dead, and therefore it's time for Joshua, and it's time for his generation to leave the desert behind and enter into the land that God has promised the people of Israel. And God says this here now in verse chapter two. We get the setting in verse one. We get the beginning of God's instruction here in verse chapter two. So what does he say to Joshua? Number two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. People of Israel, they've been in one place, but it's time to go to the next place. They have been doing one thing, but it's time to go do the next thing. They've had one leader. They've been, they've been comprised of one generation, but it's time for a new leader, and a new generation. And God declares that it is time to get a move on. It is time for a change. Everybody say a change. And this change that God is initiating with these people in verse two, he makes very clear that this change is not a spiritual or a theoretical change. This change is not um, a, a change that's coming on the horizon. And God's not saying that the idea of change would, would kind of be nice. God is very clearly speaking to Joshua that it is time to go, it is time to move, and it is time to go now. Now, therefore, arise, go. The time is now. Like I said at the beginning of this, time is a really broad subject and kind of abstract in our life. And so in your everyday life, when you're trying to communicate time, you can use a word like now to help clarify your tone and help clarify your expectation of what it is that you're saying. So for example, maybe uh, if you're at home and you're hanging out and your wife says, hey, babe, can you take the trash out? And you say, yes, absolutely. But then you continue on doing what it is that you're going to do until you get the look and she says, now, right? And then it's, oh, oh, you meant now. I, was, I got you. I understand now what it is that you're trying to say. Around my house, we use now a lot as a, to help us clarify things and to help us like clarify priorities. So if we've got a list of things that we've got to do, what needs to happen now? That gets done first, right? Or for example, when we're getting ready to get in the car because we've got to go somewhere, um, and, and I say to Rose, Rose, put your shoes on. And she says, okay, I will. But then she continues on preparing Susie, her baby doll, for the car. I have to clarify the priorities of what needs to happen first here. Saying, Rose, put your shoes on now, and then you can go help Susie. And that usually kicks off some sort of argument or disagreement about whose baby needs to get prepared first, my baby or her baby. And it's 50-50 who wins, you know. <laughs> 
I remember back in, in high school, when I was in high school, I remember getting this feeling starting to get this feeling. I wasn't following God. I wasn't all that interested in God, but I remember getting this feeling that God wanted to do something with my life. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before. There's no other way to describe it, I guess, other than I just had this sense that God wanted to do something with my life. And I knew that what he wanted to do with my life, I, I, I just felt like it was going to be significant. It was going to be unique. When I say that, I don't mean that it was going to be significant and unique in the sense that I was the only person on the planet that God wanted to do something with. I don't mean it like that. I just, I just knew that in the sense that, in the same way God wants to do something significant and unique with everybody, God wanted to do something with me. Is that making sense? I just had this sense that God wanted to do something with my life. And growing up, I had always believed in God, and I'd think that I'd received salvation from Jesus at a pretty young age, but I never actually followed Jesus. I knew God was real. I believed that Jesus was, you know, the only way to heaven. I knew some Bible stories. I knew some do's and some don'ts. I knew that being close to Jesus, whatever that really meant, like I, I knew that concept was a good thing. Uh, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't really know how to do it. I figured I wasn't too close, but um, I knew that was a good thing to be close to Jesus. And I figured that that would matter more than it mattered to me then at some point. It would matter to me more at some point. Like this whole walking with Jesus thing would really matter at some point. But I just didn't know when it would matter. I figured it would matter later, but not now. Not now. But can I tell you something about Jesus this morning? Jesus is on the move in your life right now. And Jesus is on the move in our city right now. Jesus is calling your name right now. And right now is the time to respond to Jesus. Jesus is a now, everyday Jesus. He's not just far off. He's not just later. He is now. Now is the time for us to confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Now is the day of salvation. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Touch your neighbor and say, now is the time. Now. Now is the time. Now is the time to respond to Jesus. Now is not the time for I'll start reading my Bible later. I'll turn my life around later. I'll get around to it later. I'll think about it later. I should, I might, now is the time. Now Jesus is on the move and now God is speaking to you. Now God has a plan for your life right now. Joshua chapter one we pick up this story of the Israelites and, and we could look at their past or we could look even at their present. They have a kind of a checkered past, we could say. A lot of mistakes, a lot of screw ups. I mean, God was showing up in pillars of fire and they were still disobeying. Still saying, I don't know if you're with us. I'm not sure if your plan's all so good. It's like, remember the plagues? Like, I don't know. We can look back at their past, look back at even their present, and make the fair assumption that they missed it. They had their chance, right? 
They had their chance to, to go into the promised land. They had a lot of chances along the way to be, to, to be the people of God that they were called to be. Certainly, they had missed it. They had missed what God had promised them. They had so many chances, but they had blown it. You may look at the Israelites like that. You could, and, but the fact is you didn't think about the Israelites this week, but you might be looking at your life in that same way, looking at your own life and saying, well, I'm sure that like, I could, things could get a little better, but I probably missed it. Like, I know what's back there. I know what's in my life right now. I'm pretty sure I've probably missed it. But God speaks to Joshua, now, therefore, go. Now, therefore, go. This is an emphatic now that God is speaking to Joshua. And I want you to hear God speaking to you this morning, right? Right, right now. It's an emphatic now. And it comes with an encouragement and a challenge. It comes with both an encouragement. You like encouragement? We love encouragement. But it comes with a challenge, too. They go hand in hand. The encouragement to you when God speaks into your life and says, now, therefore, go into what I'm calling you to. The encouragement is that if now is the time, then that means you haven't missed it. I'll let that compute for a second. The encouragement is that if now's the time, then clearly you haven't missed it. Somebody needs to know this morning, like last week, it's not too late. Was anybody here last week? It's not too late. It's not too late. The encouragement of now is you haven't missed it. The challenge of now is that if now is the time, don't miss it. Now, Joshua, now, get up, go, now. It's, you haven't missed it, so don't miss it. And something that I love, I love about Joshua here in, in Joshua chapter one that challenges the mess out of me as I read about his life and as I try to follow Jesus is that Joshua is, gets this whole instruction in one through nine. He gets this now from God and all that stuff. And that sounds exciting. Be strong and courageous. You know, we quoted and that's amazing. But he got told to take a, over a million people over a river that didn't have a bridge. And we just like skip over that fact, you know, like, oh, and then they did it. And that's great. Woohoo. Like, of course. But this is crazy about Joshua because he's, he's staring in the face the fact that he's the brand new leader of several million nomadic people. It's a challenge, I'm sure. Um, he, he's staring in the face that Moses is dead, his mentor, the guy who has raised him, the guy who he's been following around for 40 years, like the Moses, right? Like called on God, frogs came from the sky, people died, the plagues, like split the Red Sea, you know, the Bible says for the first, the first time that this is the first person that God spoke face to face with as a friend, like, you know, Moses. Okay, so he's dead now. And, and now, he's, now he's being faced with this challenge, this thing from God that says, okay, now get up and go. Go into this land and conquer it with your military that hasn't fought in over 40 years. And you're going into a land that you haven't even been in to scout for over 40 years. So you have no idea what's going on. You don't know the lay of the land, but it's time to take it over now. And by the way, there's a river in front of you that has no bridge. Go! In the face of all of these challenges, God says to him, now. And what does he do? Joshua, this is like, would be a great time if Joshua responded like a little pansy so that I would feel better about being a pansy. But that's not what happens. In verse 11, 10 and 11, he shows us the total boss that Joshua is. Like, this is so intense, okay? So picture this, like you're in the desert, first of all, right? So God shows up. God says all of these things to you. You've got all these challenges in front of you. And so verse 10, it says, Joshua turns to the commanders of the people 
people. In verse 11, he says, okay, everybody pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. Everybody get ready. Prepare your provisions for within three days. You're going over this Jordan to take, the, take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. What a man. I mean, he is in the middle of real and big problems, real and big questions, real and big concerns. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Ever had some problems or concerns, questions? Okay, me and three other people. You ever been there before? You've been in Joshua's shoes? Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, it's hard, but Joshua shows what he can do because when God says now, Joshua essentially just says, looks at him, says, yes, sir, turns around to the officers and says, okay, go tell everybody to pack up, we gone. You heard the man, he said now. Like, ah. All I know from that is that I wanna be a now man of God. I wanna be a now friend of Jesus. I want to be a now husband. I want to be a now father. I want to be a now friend. I want to be a now leader. I don't want to follow Jesus. When he says come, I want to come now. When he says give, I want to give now. When he says love, let's love now. What if? What if we all took the attitude of Joshua? God said it. It's yes, sir. No ands, buts, or questions about it. Let's just do it. It's terrifying. But all of a sudden, you find yourself crossing rivers because they split when you put your foot in them. When Jesus says, go, it's time to go. Now is the time. I want to encourage you this morning. Now is the time. You haven't missed it. You're not too far gone. You're not too old. You're not too slow. You're not too anything. Now is the time. You haven't missed it, so don't miss it. So don't miss it. And God says this to Joshua. There's been a lot that's happened back there, but you guys haven't missed it, so don't. Three days. Let's do this. And the two biggest things I think that keep us from making the right decision right now, the two things that make us miss when God says now is what happened back then and what might happen when. I want you to write that down. What happened back then and what might happen when. These are the things that stop us from responding the way Joshua responded here in verse Chapter, or verse 11. What happened back then? Something happened, so I, I, I can't right now. Well, what might happen? I, I don't know. So we freeze. And what I mean is that we can spend so much of our present trying to undo our past. Am I right? We can spend so much of our present trying to undo our past because we want to have a different future. So much of our present, we, want to, we don't want to uh, do the same things we used to do. We don't want to uh, parent the same way our parents parented. We don't want to do it the same way we saw it done. And so we spend so much of our present trying to undo the past because we're going to have a different future. But the thing about that is that the, the present has a pesky way of becoming the future, doesn't it? The present has a, has a pesky way of becoming a future. Here's what I mean. The, the present that you're living right now is about to be your past, right? The present you're living right now is about to become your past, and the present you're living right now used to be your future. Oh, oh, oh here we go, okay. The present you're living now is becoming, or is about to be your past, then the present you're living now used to be your future. So if you're living your present trying to undo your past, you're just repeating the past. 
Yeah, undoing anything. You're just doing it over again. And in doing so, you're throwing away your future. But Jesus has set you free. Shout me down, kids. Come on. Jesus has set you free to use your present or set you free from using your present to undo a past because it's already been paid for. So now you get to live a new future no matter what is in your past because right now you get to be free. Don't let what happened back then keep you from responding to what God's calling you to now. It's got nothing to do with anything. Jesus is king. He paid for it. And God's saying, now, now. Not now, then. Now, now. So let's do it now. And don't worry about what might happen when. God's got it. God's got it. Jesus set you free so that you don't have to waste your past trying to, your, yeah, waste your present trying to undo a past that's already been paid for. So you are free to live your future. In Joshua 1, God steps into the Israelites' present and he steps into your present and he's, he's telling them all of this in these few short verses, all of this is between the lines. He's saying, I know who you are. I know who you've been. I know what I've called you to. I know what's behind you and I know what's staring you down in the face. I know what you've been through and I know what you are going to go through. But there is only one God and it is not your past. And it is not your future. I am the God who was. I was with Moses. You all saw that. And I am the God who is. And I will be with you in the same way I was with Moses. You'll see. And I am the God who is to come. So just be strong. Be courageous. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you already. Now go. Now go. Let go of what's behind you. Don't worry about what's in front of you. Just go now. My question for us this morning is, what's God putting in front of you right now? What's God putting in front of you right now? My encouragement is, do it. Now. Because it's not too late. You haven't missed it, so don't. So don't miss it. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be scared. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. God's with you. And whatever it is that Jesus has given you right now, it's probably that thing that's a little bit scary. It's a little bit risky, a little bit or a lot of it you don't want to. Maybe that's just me. Probably makes you a little nervous. It's probably too big, but none of those things are reasons to turn back. See, the river was too big in front of them. But every river crossing has a river. Every battle that you win has an enemy that you've got to defeat. Every resurrection has a death. There's no reason to stop. There's no reason to stop. And I want to encourage you that when you are stepping towards what God has called you to do, not every obstacle is opposition. Sometimes it's like every delay is like, oh, that's the devil. I rebuke you. The Lord's with me. Yes, Lord. No, no, maybe. But not every obstacle is opposition. I don't know how it all works, but I do know that every obstacle is an opportunity. No matter who it came from, God can overcome it. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than... Come on. It's trying to set somebody free right now to go do everything that God's caused you to do. Come on. Step out. Let God do it. Let God do it. Step into the river. Step into the risk. Let God move. And when something comes up against you, don't worry about it. Just let God overcome it.
Keep going, keep going, keep going, because now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time for your life. Now's the time. I've realized that I can't go back and undo anything that I wish I could undo. Letting go of the past isn't, the key to that is not looking back and saying, oh yeah, that was perfect, nothing went wrong. That's not it. There's definitely some things I wish I could undo, but I can't go back there and undo anything that's already been done. And I can't live my life in 20 years for another 20 years. But right now, I can say yes to Jesus every day. So don't worry about what happened back then. Don't worry about what, happened, what might happen when you do it. Just be faithful right now. We're a now people, right? Touch your neighbor and say, you're a now person. You're a now person. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you're called to be. And we're a now people. We're a now church. And this is a now moment for us as a church. I don't know if you've caught on, but if you think about the scenarios that they're in in Joshua chapter one, it kind of feels similar to what we got going on. We're in one place. We're going to the next place. We're moving from one thing to the next. Connections, right? This is a now moment for us. We're moving out of where we've been and moving into what we really believe God is calling us to. We've got a lot of questions, at least I do. There's still actually plenty of obstacles to overcome. overcome. There's a whole lot of unknowns, but everything in me believes that God is saying now, now. And as we step out into some new risks, I thought it'd be fun to end our time here at Old National by looking back and celebrating maybe just a few things that God has done along the way. Because sometimes it's the best way to, to build faith for the future is to look at the testimonies behind you. So we're believing that God's going to do amazing things as a result of this move. Uh, but can we just take a few minutes here as we wrap up, just take a second to look back and remember a few things that he's done. Want to be encouraged with some things God's done? Awesome. Well, here's just a, few, a ham, handful of stories. We'll see how long this takes. I've only got an hour and a half's worth. A lot of you know this, some of you don't, but uh, the first 10 weeks of our church, when we first started meeting here and launched our church, uh, we decided that for those first 10 weeks, we were going to kind of use that as, this, as, a, as a tithe kind of a thing, where we took every dollar that was given to our church over the first 10 weeks, and we gave it away to other things that God was doing in the city. And so kind of, uh, we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know if our church was going to die in the first 10 weeks because we ran out of money. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we did it. And it turned into, uh, the first thing that we did as a church was give over $25,000 to what God was doing outside of this church in this city. So fun. Who, who is here for some of those 10 weeks? A handful of you. So those, those 10 weeks, we have somebody come up during our give and take time, and they would share about who they are, what they did in the city, what ministry they were involved in. And uh, one of those weeks, we had this woman, she was sharing, and uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but this was one of my favorites. She came up, and she couldn't really talk because she was just crying the whole time. Uh, not because of her ministry, but just because God was touching her life being here in this room with you guys. And she sort of told us a little bit about what she did. I kind of had to explain it after she was done because she was just crying, talking about her need for Jesus. And we got to pray for her and her family, her ministry. She just stood up here and cried and wept the whole time. So cool. Just because God is good. I remember Christmas Eve last year, 
Uh, we had several people come to church that had just come on from off the street. They saw the sign. It was Christmas Eve, and so they decided to come in for church. So they got to stay warm for a little bit, and then a few people, uh, a few of the people that were here for that service ended up giving some of them a ride home and giving them some money to celebrate Christmas. Just so cool. And uh, that, that night during the service, we were taking our year-end offering that we did at the end of uh, whatever last year was, 2016, I guess. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, we were taking our year-end offering, and the next week as we were, as we were uh, depositing what was given, we found an envelope that had two quarters in it. And it was written on there. It said, I, it said this is all I have, but I give what I have. I just thought, wow, come on. If we could just be a people like that, right? So, so powerful. I remember when Crystal Brown stood up here on this stage, uh, the older kids, they sat down right there during give and take one week when she talked about her daughter giving her life to Jesus. I remember a few weeks ago when a friend of mine who's another pastor in town stopped by our service for a few, just for a few minutes, about he was gonna stay for the first half before he had to go to his church. And uh, we just decided kind of spontaneously, well, I guess I decided, but we did it together. <laughs> uh, but he was there and I brought him up here and we, we just encouraged him and we just said, okay, we're taking up an offering right now for him. All of it's going to him. And y'all, on the spur of the moment, gave like 1,500 bucks to this guy who has nobody believing in him. He's just working the streets, trying to love people. And you guys said, we love you. We're here. Just absolutely amazing. I remember talking to a guy after church one morning. Uh, he had been sitting right around over here during the service, and he came up to me after the service. And the reason he was here was because he was in this room on Saturday night for a concert and had lost his wallet. And he came back looking for it. And he was still high. And he was like, I, what is going on here? And I got to share the gospel and pray with him. We never found his wallet, but he got to hear about Jesus. <laughs> kind of speaking of that, I remember the mornings we've come in here and it stinks like weed, but nobody threw a religious fit about it and we worship Jesus anyways. I love it. I love it. I remember a few weeks ago, I was walking out and a girl in our church approached me who uh, has just been really struggling to make ends meet. And she told me, she said, well, I just decided I'm going back to school. I'm going to make it work because I got to get, I got to get things together. And, and life, life's not going to be like this. So I'm going to work hard. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to make it work. Do you guys do scholarships or anything like that? And I was able to tell her, well, I don't know if we do scholarships or whatever, but I know that we go to church with a lot of generous people. And because of your consistent generosity, we already were able to pay for her first month of school so that she can get her feet back under her and have a different life than what she grew up with. Come on. So cool. We've had testimonies in this room of marriages getting resurrected and restored. We've had people who couldn't get pregnant get pregnant. Not in this room, but, you know, <laughs> as far as I know. Well, moving on, we've prayed for people. We've prayed for people. We've prayed in this room for people who are in hospitals in our city and in different cities and gotten stories later that the hour we were praying for them, their health turned towards the better when it wasn't supposed to. There's been many mornings where the front of this room has been filled with some of you encountering God, saying yes to the next thing Jesus is putting in front of you. Some of you being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, hearing the voice of God, committing to the next step that he put in front of you, getting saved, getting hope restored for a situation in your life. There's been moments up here in this room where you've just met with Jesus. Has anybody had a moment with Jesus. I know I have. People have come, people have gone, people have stayed, people have left. There's been mornings where there's 130 people in here, there's mornings where there's been 30 people in here. 
Never know what's gonna happen when we've showed up, but God has always been good. And he's always done more than we've known that he's doing. I'm still, I remember just like a month ago, I was getting lunch or dinner with a family and they were saying, tell me this story, which I've heard a version of this story a hundred times, it seems like, where somebody says, man, you remember that service where uh, we were worshiping and then you got up and you shared that you felt like God was saying like this specific word and like, you remember that one? I'm like, no. I don't remember that one. They're like, okay, well, that's when we knew God was on us. That's when we knew God was with us because that was for me. It's like, how cool is that? How good is God? How good has he been? It's been better than I thought it was gonna be. It's been different in every way, but it's been better than I thought. No matter what has happened, God has been good. But now it's time to go. It's time to go into the next thing. It's time to move to the next thing. It's time to say the next yes. It's time to respond to the next thing he's putting in front of us. It's time to sign up again for all that he's doing in our city and what our part to play is. It's time to believe again that all of Indianapolis can and will be saved and that we have a part in it. It's time to believe again that the crossroads of America isn't just a catchphrase. It's a prophetic destiny over this city because God's gonna bring people in to get them saved and send them out to make disciples. This is our God. Now is the time. So we got to go. It's been good, but we got to go. We don't know what's going to happen, but we got to go. I don't know all the answers, but we got to go. I don't know how we're going to cross some of these rivers that are sitting in front of us, but we got to go. We got to go now. So we always say that we want to be a people who respond to the word of God, not just hear it. And so we're going to respond sort of like we normally do, but also not sort of like we normally do. We're going to worship for one more song together. And while we worship, uh, we're going to take up our offering. We've been talking about this building that we're moving into, and we've designated these days where we're, we've called them giving days where we're coming together and saying, okay, let's, if you want to participate, everybody bring a check and let's put in and let's go after this and see, see what God does uh, to get this money that we need uh, to move in. And so today, today is our giving day. So uh, what we're going to do to respond, though, I'm not going to ask you to do what you think I'm about to ask you to do, but everybody grab one of those giving envelopes. Everybody had one in your chair. Everybody grab one. I'm not about to tell you, nobody leaves till we get it. Don't worry. Everybody grab it. Hold it up when you got it. Everybody got one? Everybody? 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 Okay, everybody got one. So we're going to take our offering and we're all going to participate in one of two ways. Maybe, well, one or two ways. The first way is may, some of you came ready to participate in the giving day towards the building uh, that we're moving into. So this is your chance to give into that. Our host team is going to pass baskets in just a second. So some of you came prepared to do that. So if you did, you can uh, fill out your check and, and fill out the envelope. Make sure you designate building on it. That'll be helpful. So maybe that's one way that you can participate in this offering. If you came ready to, to give towards the building, and maybe that's, for you, that's your right now. That's your now. That's your risk. That's your step out. I know for us, what we're doing, it's a risk. It's a risk for us as a family, and it's exciting. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm super excited because I've never given this much, but I've given enough to know that he's going to be faithful. He's so good. So maybe that's your way to respond. The second way that you can respond is that no matter whether you're giving financially or not, you have something to give to Jesus this morning. Jesus is putting something in front of you right now. Maybe it's been during this message. It's something new. Maybe there's something you've known that has been the now for a while. Don't miss it. 
God's highlighting something in your life that he's giving you to respond to right now. And so during the first bit of this song, we're just gonna stay seated and have a moment with God where you can either give financially or if you're not giving financially, I want you to write down what it is that your now next step is on that envelope. You don't have to write your name. We're not gonna call anybody or follow up or anything like that. But when the basket's passed, I want you to put it in the basket as you kind of just making a physical response to give yourself to Jesus this morning. Whether you give to the building or not, that's not the point. But can you give yourself this morning to the next thing that Jesus is leading you into? Write it down. Maybe it's, maybe it's ending a relationship. Maybe it's starting something in your life, a discipline. Maybe it's getting away from this. It's getting into that. I had somebody, a friend of mine in my life, send me a text message this week. He said that he had been struggling with, with an addiction and he was spending time with God and he said, God, what's my next step in breaking this? And he looked up on his desk and he saw his phone that he has always used as his medium for engaging in his addiction. So he took it outside, he smashed it with a hammer and he drowned it in a bucket. Come on, somebody. And he said, I'm done now. Now's the time. I'm not praying for God to set me free anymore. He did. Now it's my time to do it now. What's your smashing phone? What's your now? What's your river to cross? What's your promised land to enter into? What's your thing that you've got to do now? Because you haven't missed it, so don't. It's making sense to everybody. We've all got something we can do this morning. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing this song and then we're gonna pass the baskets here in just a couple of minutes. And after the baskets pass, you can stand up and we'll worship together as we close. I'm gonna pray for us as we give ourselves, as we give our offering to the Lord this morning and respond right now. Jesus, we love you so much and we thank you that you are with us right now. You're speaking to us right now. You're calling us right now. You are doing more than we know right now. And now is the time to respond. Now is the time to see you. Now is the time to say yes. We love you, Jesus. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you speak in these moments? Would you lead us into freedom? Lead us into your love. Lead us into life and lead us into a life that matters for eternity. We're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name.